Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Genesis chapters 1 through 4 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The first book of Moses, commonly called Genesis, chapter 1. Introduction. The book of Genesis is the first of five books credited to the prophet Moses, which comprise the Torah, or law, of the Hebrew Bible. These five books are also called the Pentateuch, a Greek word meaning five books. It was written approximately 1400 BC following the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt, an event detailed in the second book of the Torah called Exodus. Genesis describes the origins of the Israelites from the creation until their settlement in Egypt and covers about 2,000 years of history. Of course, Moses was not alive during this period, which means Genesis must be the product of oral and or written accounts obtained by Moses over the course of his life, and there is strong internal evidence pointing to at least four different sources used by Moses in compiling Genesis. The first chapter of Genesis describes how God created the heavens and the earth over a span of six days. Obviously, this contradicts other, more naturalistic explanations of creation, and that's on purpose. But before we get into that discussion, I invite you to simply Follow along with your mind's eye and allow the Word of God to paint the universe into existence the way an artist might use colored pigments to create a landscape. This chapter includes the six days of creation. The first book of Moses, commonly called Genesis, chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was on the surface of the deep, and God's Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light and saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning the first day. God said, Let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and divided the waters which were under the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning, a second day. God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together to one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, 
Let the earth yield grass, herbs yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with their seeds in it, on the earth. And it was so. The earth yielded grass, herbs yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit, with their seeds in it, after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs to mark seasons, days, and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a fourth day. God said, Let the waters abound with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the sky. God created the large sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and Fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. God said, Let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, and animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind, and livestock after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. God said, Let's make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you Every herb yielding seed which is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which bears fruit yielding seed, it will be your food. To every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. These six days of creation represent the first test of faith in the Bible. Do you trust in the Word of God? If so, you can simply accept the creation at face value. However, 
If you have some suspicion over this version of creation, the good news is that God does not demand blind faith because Genesis chapter one actually consists of a series of riddles arranged as a logic puzzle. And the key to solving this puzzle can be found in day four, when God created the sun, moon, and stars, despite three complete cycles of evening and morning having transpired beforehand. Why would all of our light sources be created on the fourth day? The creation is happening out of sequence. This is a giant clue that what's actually happening is completely different from what appears to be happening. The first three days were overcast. Clouds covered the sky. And when this cloud cover broke on the fourth day, like magic, the sun appeared, followed by the moon and stars, exactly according to God's command. We also know there was a rainstorm on the second day, which accounts for waters being both above and below the expanse of the sky. This is not a physical creation. It is a mental creation. God is building up the mind of man, one word at a time. Whose mind? Adam's mind, who is the first incarnation of Christ. And the opening chapters of Genesis are told from Adam's point of view. John chapter 1 reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, Nothing was made that has been made. Without the word, we cannot think. And without thought, there is no universe. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 2 Introduction On the sixth day, God created man, male and female, and Adam could see they were created in the image and likeness of God because in Adam's eyes, they looked just like God. Who exactly were this male and female whom God told to be fruitful and multiply? The Bible doesn't say, but it's highly probable they were Adam's biological parents. So far, Adam's universe consisted only of things external to himself. He had no self, no sense of identity, and no sense of place. God would soon correct this state of affairs. The Hebrew word for God is Elohim, and this is the word used for God in the creation. However, God's personal name is a different word, pronounced something like Yahweh. Most English Bibles substitute the Lord in capital letters for the name Yahweh. Fortunately, the World English Bible doesn't make this substitution, which makes it much easier to detect which name is being used for God in each passage. If you listen carefully, you'll be able to hear when Genesis switches between simply God and Yahweh God, 
This is a signal that Moses is switching to a different source. This chapter includes the seventh day, man and woman in the garden. Chapter 2 The heavens, the earth, and all their vast array were finished. On the seventh day God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because he rested in it from all his work of creation which he had done. This is the history of the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that Yahweh God made the earth and the heavens. No plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for Yahweh God had not caused it to rain on the earth. There was not a man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Yahweh God formed man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Yahweh God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, Yahweh God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it was parted and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows through the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the same river that flows through the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hidikel. This is the one which flows in front of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Yahweh God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. Yahweh God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Yahweh God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, Yahweh God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature became its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field. But for man, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Yahweh God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. As the man slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Yahweh God made a woman from the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother and will join with his wife and they will be one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed.
Like the previous chapter, this chapter also uses subtle tricks of language to give the appearance of one story while actually telling another. The story seems to be describing a barren, unpopulated wasteland, but close inspection reveals that it's actually describing a wilderness which had not yet been domesticated by God. Likewise, the description of Adam's creation is so misleading that virtually every English version of the Bible mistranslates the original Hebrew, which reads, And Yahweh God formed the man dust from the ground. Because we have no idea what the man dust actually is, our English translations try to make sense of the original Hebrew by inserting the word from. For example, Yahweh God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. This man dust was a substance which, when Yahweh God blew it into Adam's nostrils, caused an experience so profound that Adam was transformed in an instant from an unthinking human animal into a thinking human being. It also put his experience of the first six days of creation into proper perspective so that he could remember them as part of a coherent narrative. This same man dust also affected Adam's bloodstream, giving him a nearly immortal body and allowing him to multiply his new traits through his offspring. When verse 24 states, Therefore a man will leave his father and his mother and will join with his wife and they will become one flesh, this is confirmation that Adam had two biological parents, neither of whom was God, because he left both his father and his mother, in order to be with Eve. It was the soul of Adam, not the body of Adam, which Yahweh God created. The same was true for Eve. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 3, Introduction Once Adam and Eve are left alone in the Garden of Eden, things go very wrong very quickly. This chapter includes the serpent's deception, God arraigns Adam and Eve, the fate of the serpent, the punishment of mankind, the expulsion from paradise. Chapter 3 Now the serpent was more subtle than any animal of the field which Yahweh God had made. He said to the woman, Has God really said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but not the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it. You shall not touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You won't really die. For God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
She took some of its fruit and ate. Then she gave some to her husband with her, and he ate it too. Their eyes were opened, and they both knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They heard Yahweh God's voice walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God among the trees of the garden. Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? The man said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Yahweh God said to the woman, What have you done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Yahweh God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all livestock and above every animal of the field. You shall go on your belly and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. You will bear children in pain. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to your wife's voice and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, the ground is cursed for your sake. You will eat from it with much labor all the days of your life. It will yield thorns and thistles to you, and you will eat the herb of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your face until you return to the ground, for you were taken out of it. For you are dust, and you shall return to dust. The man called his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all the living. Yahweh God made garments of animal skins for Adam and for his wife, and clothed them. Yahweh God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever? Therefore Yahweh God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The Hebrew word used for serpent here is nahash, which also means sorcery or enchantment. Adam introduces Eve to his new pet named nahash. Eve looks into its eyes and asks Adam what he's trying to say. Without missing a beat, Adam begins translating for the snake. Of course, the serpent isn't really saying anything. It's all just a fraudulent magic spell cast by Adam. Eve plays along. After all, she wants the same thing Adam wants, to eat the forbidden fruit. 
The tree of life was a euphemism for Adam's genitalia, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was Eve's. God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply, but he forbade them to treat each other's private parts like food. Clearly, God didn't explain what exactly would happen next, which is why they cover up with fig leaves after their climax. If you really want to understand the Garden of Eden, ask yourself this one question. Whose version of the story are we hearing? Whose testimony is this? Is it Eve's testimony? Is this God's testimony? No. This is Adam's testimony. Now, what is Adam's angle here? What is Adam telling us about himself 6,000 years ago? It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's her fault. It's the woman's fault for seducing me. It's your fault, God, for giving me a sinful woman. Or we can try blaming Nahash, the serpent, if we want. But the serpent, just like the devil, is only a scapegoat. Yahweh God then announces a prophecy which would not be fulfilled for another 4,000 years in Jesus Christ. I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. In the book of Revelation, John identifies this ancient serpent with the devil and with Satan. The word devil or diabolus in Greek means slanderer, while the Hebrew Satan means adversary. Who is this adversary? The adversary is man in rebellion against God. Perhaps Adam and Eve's expulsion from paradise was inevitable, just like a baby's expulsion from the womb is inevitable, and a child's transition into adulthood is likewise inevitable. After all, how can we know whether or not we truly have free will until we actually exercise it? Is it really free will if all we ever do is follow someone else's orders? The Book of Genesis, Chapter 4, Introduction Once expelled from paradise, Adam and Eve begin to multiply themselves through having children, but in doing so, also multiply their original sin. This chapter includes Cain and Abel, the descendants of Cain, Seth and Enosh. Chapter 4 The man knew Eve his wife. She conceived and gave birth to Cain and said, I have gotten a man with Yahweh's help. Again she gave birth to Cain's brother, Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. This time passed. Cain brought an offering to Yahweh from the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought some of the firstborn of his flock and of its fat. Yahweh respected Abel and his offering, but he didn't respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry 
and the expression on his face fell. Yahweh said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has the expression of your face fallen? If you do well, won't it be lifted up? If you don't do well, sin crouches at the door. Its desire is for you, but you are to rule over it. Cain said to Abel, his brother, Let's go into the field. While they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Yahweh said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yahweh said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Now you are cursed because of the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. From now on, when you till the ground, it won't yield its strength to you. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. Cain said to Yahweh, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out today from the surface of the ground. I will be hidden from your face, and I will be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Yahweh said to him, Therefore, whoever slays Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. Yahweh appointed a sign for Cain, so that anyone finding him would not strike him. Cain left Yahweh's presence and lived in the land of Nod east of Eden. Cain knew his wife. She conceived and gave birth to Enoch. He built a city and named the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Irad was born to Enoch. Irad became the father of Mahujael. Mahujael became the father of Methushael. Methushael became the father of Lamech. Lamech took two wives. The name of the first was Ada, and the name of the second one was Zila. Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, who was the father of all who handle the harp and pipe. Zila also gave birth to Tubal-Cain, the forger of every cutting instrument of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Naama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zila, hear my voice. You, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have slain a man for wounding me, a young man for bruising me. If Cain will be avenged seven times, truly Lamech, seventy-seven times. Adam knew his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, For God has given me another child instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. A son was also born to Seth, and he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to call on Yahweh's name. The story of Cain and Abel is as brief as it is savage. When Yahweh critiques, Cain's offering, Cain responds by murdering his competition. Yahweh confronts Cain with his crime, and Cain immediately repents when he realizes what danger he would be in now that he had been caught. Yahweh then forgives Cain's murderous crime, sets a mark upon him which alters his appearance, 
then utters a protective restraining order, declaring that whomever tries to execute justice upon Cain would be avenged seven times. This restraining order doesn't quite work as intended, as shown by Lamech's example, who, after murdering a man, utters a restraining order of his own, but with the revenge penalty increased from seven to seventy-seven times. Cain's genealogy is problematic. The names Irad and Mehujael are not real names. Mehujael is spelled inconsistently, and right from the beginning, the city of Enoch is substituted for the person of Enoch. All of this is deliberate and is meant to disguise the fact that Cain's parents had renamed him to Seth, who then went on to beget a royal bloodline which would extend all the way down to modern times. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing journey through Scripture, and for those who have chosen to walk with us and to walk with Adam, your son, all the way from the beginning. Thank you also for giving us this miraculous and beautiful world to live in, and for the opportunity to overcome our animal nature, to become sanctified in your name, and to partake in your gift of eternal life, which is offered to each and every one of us through your Son, through your Word, through your Spirit, and through you. In Christ's name we pray. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please smash that subscribe button. Subscribe so that we can send you timely updates. And join us for our next episode where we will be reading Genesis chapters 5 through 8, The Great Flood. Watch out, here it comes. This is Arthur Milliken saying goodnight and God bless. Thank you.